Hey, this is Karis Ryan and welcome back or welcome to the Teach Me In 20 podcast. This week, we're getting a better understanding of homelessness. We're talking with Aaron McGregor, who's the president of Perth Homeless Support Group. Aaron's been with the organization for three years and the charity itself has been running for six years now. Aaron's going to give us the lowdown. He's going to tell us what the numbers are of homeless people on the streets in Perth. He's also going to share with us stories from his experience over the years. And he's going to tell us what someone on the streets or what someone homeless would want most from us. And the answer might surprise you. He answers a lot of misconceptions there are about homelessness. I thoroughly enjoyed this chat with Aaron. He's an absolute legend. And I'm also hoping to chat to his wife, Jed, in the future. So stay tuned for that. And you'll see why I want to talk to her after this episode. To find out more, make sure you visit Perth Homeless Support Group on Facebook. I've also listed their website below. And if you have any questions, make sure you pop it in this episode link on the Teach Me In 20 podcast Facebook group and I will pass them on or Aaron will be able to answer them for you. Stay tuned for all that plus more on this episode of Teach Me In 20. Teach Me In 20. Teach Me In 20. Aaron McGregor, welcome on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So tell us what's the current state of homelessness in Perth. What are the numbers that we're looking at? Uh, the numbers at the moment, I last good that you asked because I had a meeting last week with the City of Perth and in the Perth CBD we have 831 at the moment and as roughly like homelessness is classed as like people couch surfing, that sort of thing and... Okay. and um, actually sleeping on the streets and whatnot, but actually rough sleepers on the streets every night in Perth is 446 and there's 114 just in free hour alone as well. That's a separate number. So yeah, at the moment, yeah. Wow. But they reckon, I've heard there's about 9,000 in the whole of Perth itself with um, like couch surfing and all that sort of stuff, not actually, you know, you know, not renting, not just like jumping from here there mm. and living in cars for a week or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. So, so the figure's bigger than we sort of... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite big, yeah. And I think after this COVID, it, like I'm talking to the um, City of Bayswater, City of Perth and other council people and they think it's going to get bigger and bigger So after this. So, yeah, it's a bit scary actually. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to ask, do you expect with COVID it, that to rise? Yeah, we do. So that's one factor. What are the other factors that contribute to people being homeless? Um, I think if... Like marriage breakdowns and we you know if you have a marriage breakdown depending on how you deal with that breakdown sort of thing you might go oh well, i'm over it i'm out i'm out i just want to disconnect myself from society we've seen that mm -hmm. um domestic violence we've seen a lady with you know children in tow and and they don't want to go to the services because they may have those children taken off them you know so they would rather live in the car or whatever until they can find something better and yeah we've actually seen that as well so um gambling problems alcohol drugs you know a bond partner might end up on the down the wrong path sort of so to say and end up getting booted out of the relationship or and then end up on the streets with nowhere to go so yeah wow. yeah yeah we've seen that I spoke to a lot of well we're supposed to call them those experiencing homelessness but it's i just call them because we're on that that level face to face we call them streeties and um they're, they're actually close we've got some close relationships with um a lot of our Streeties or those experiencing homelessness. The yeah. correct, the correct. They don't mind that yeah. tagline. They they like the streeties. We yeah. call them the streeties. Yeah, yeah, they like that. And because um, we're on that 
that level, you know, we're at the, the coalface, so to speak, and um, got good relations. Like just on Sunday, I'll give you an example. There's one of our, she was in a house or a unit, and then she's, for some reason, she's been kicked out and she's back on the streets. It was a birthday on Sunday, so we got all cupcakes together, oh. sang a happy birthday, and you know, that just that one moment, like 10 minutes out of the day, could have made her whole day, you know. So that's, that's what we're all about mm. as, a, as a charity, and yeah. Are you seeing, uh, is there a certain age that's quite prevalent in homelessness? Is it a, a younger thing or is it more older uh, or it doesn't really? Probably middle age, probably around the 35 to 60. Like we've seen. Wow, 60. Oh yeah, 60. There's a lady, she's actually just transitioning into housing now. We've seen her. Um, she's mid to late, mid to early 60s around that. Okay. And to look at her, you wouldn't even think she's homeless because she's always clean and she's, you know, the stereotype of homeless is dirty smelly whatever but she's a you would to look at her you wouldn't think she was homeless but yeah she's and she's not entitled to any Centrelink payments or and something's like she's got no identity like something's gone on there she's lost her identity her id and all that so she's still in the position she's trying to get all that back and and whatnot and um yeah they're just starting to help her now and transition back into housing she's actually she was camping under the matagara bridge there that's where she sleeps okay. so just some of those stories, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned <coughs> she's well kept. Yeah. How does someone like that have access to showers and she, sanitary? She actually, there's like a group of them, a group of these ladies. There's um, one has like transitional housing, so she'd go there for a shower and and whatnot, and they look after each other. There's like a close knit community of these four or five um, older age ladies that actually help each other out. So. That's the picture we're, we're seeing, you know. So one of them might be in a housing, but the others are still living on the street. So they seem to be helping each other out okay. that, that type of way. So, yeah, yeah. Because you think of an elderly person as someone who's, you know, ready mm. for retirement, just going to see out their years. Yeah, there's, we've seen there's quite a few elderly on the streets. So what, what more needs to be done? So what can the average person like myself do and what can even local government or is it more of a local government thing you no, need them to step well, up? Well, actually... We have a great relationship with local government. Local government are doing, like at the moment with the COVID, we're constantly, we had a, um, we've got a um, homeless hub, they call it now, in Moore Street. That's where we all go of our chosen days and times and we set up and we help the homeless. I think the problem lies within the state government. At the moment, there's a bit of a blockage there. Okay. So the, probably what the community can do is lobby the state government, um, email the um, community services minister, which is... Simone McGurk at the moment she's the one heading that up so you know you get email after email from the community saying hey I've seen homeless what are you guys doing about it can you please reply and let me know because end of the day we vote for these politicians so they should be held accountable I believe so yeah we my partner and I we've been around the East Perth area as mm. well and mm. there's I don't know the exact street but there seems to be a spot there where there's a lot of it we didn't even know it before we went around that area where are most of the people living and sort of i guess squatting or what so where are they able to go on the streets i think because of this covid there's been a relaxed relaxed bit of a um from the rangers and the police at the moment so they, they're actually around the um tramby area and that i think that was east perth that you're talking about you probably seen near the train line near the train line macgyver station there yeah, yeah. Well, that, yes. there's a place there that's open seven to seven, seven days a week, which is Tramby. They can get a meal, breakfast, lunch and dinner. Okay. But they seem to be, we went, actually my wife and I went for a drive last night, we quite do a couple of days a week and we saw a lot of sleeping there. I guess that's because that's the only place open 
seven days, seven right. days a week sort of thing, seven okay. to seven. So that's where they're sleeping and, yeah, like just they squat, yeah, abandoned houses and stuff like that. And there's no real, like, get a lot of move-on notices and stuff like that as well, which is tough. Yeah. Yeah. S- break down for <coughs> us. There's a lot of misconceptions. I've been reading online and the main things people sort of view with homelessness is some, and I want you to sort of be able to reply to these, some people choose to be homeless. Mm. What's your take on that? There are some. Like we've okay. spoken, there's a one guy, you'll see him, um, I think there was a bit of a feature on him, Francis, and he, he's a, he came over, I think it was a, like a church type thing, that he was from Peru, around that area. Okay. And um, it all fell through and he's been on the streets ever since. So obviously... He's had never had Centrelink, never had that sort of stuff. So he um he is long term and and that's that's his life. That's been his life since he got to Australia, pretty much. Yeah. And there's another guy, like another one that come. We've got a good relationship with in our, which is he's from overseas and obviously he was escaping something from overseas and he's here and he's living in a shed, you know, and that sort of thing. And and they're sort of they're like homeless, but they can't access the the government because they. They're escaping something or coming over us and, you know, you know what I mean? Like they just... Is there a push to be able to give them <coughs> access to Centrelink? No, I, I don't know. I don't know what I don't okay. know what the answer is to that. So I think that's a state government, like a, a federal government type thing, whether we can help these people or, yeah. or whatnot. So, yeah. Or are, are they able... Because the other misconception online is why can't these, you know, these people just get a job? But it's not that simple. No, it's not. Well, I'm actually, you know, I've been I've been unemployed for four weeks, and and just to go and say get a job when, okay, you've been on the streets for even even a week, you haven't had a shower for a week, and you're just a bit lost, and um, to try and get yourself ready for an interview and and be fresh for an interview is, I don't know. That's in my eyes, I don't think I could do it. It's it's the simple things like, okay, you get up in the morning, you got to go to a meeting or whatever, and. And you haven't had a shower, you haven't had breakfast, you haven't cleaned, you haven't haven't had anything. Would you want to go to a job interview? You know what I mean, looking yeah, like that. Yeah. So when they say, "Why can't he get a job?" Well, the reason is just personal, like the presentation. He's not confident in himself or herself. You know. So I wouldn't want to go to an interview after I've been on the streets for one night, let alone you know some of a week, two weeks, years. Yeah. You know. So and there's what we're actually pushing for is a an overnight shelter where they these homeless can go. Have a have a shower, have a good sleep, and it's and then get up in the morning. Okay, I've got a Centrelink appointment. They can make their Centrelink appointments, and then they can get back onto the road, back into society. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that sort of thing. Because I was going to ask. So we touched on it just then uh, with Tramby. Hmm. So if someone autom- just suddenly gets um, say unemployed or they lose their house or they can't afford rent, hmm. where's the first place they can go? Is it your organisation, Perth Homeless Support, or the first place is like Crisis Care, which is Rua. Um, that's another organisation, but we try to, and Salvation Army is another one that should be helping out the homeless and that sort of thing. And that's probably your first port of call is Rua and Tramby's if it just does meals and that sort of thing. Okay. And I think they can use that place as an address, but I'm not too sure at the moment what's happening with Tramby's. I haven't looked right into it or I'm sort of not privy to that sort mm-hmm. of scope or what's going on there. But um, yeah, probably Rua or um, Salvation Army, yeah. What so when you've been interacting with people that have just suddenly become homeless, what's their mindset like? How are they feeling? Just talk us through their sort of just yeah, how they're feeling, how they're doing. A lot of them uh, are lost, 
well they don't know where what to do where to go and yeah um uh, it's it's a lot of different um like when you just first become i talked to a, a, a guy and his niece they came down from Kalgoorlie and they were living in their car and they were happy because they must have been escaping something that was going on up there so they were happy living in their car no we're happy this is what we want okay and then others will go um don't know what to do where to go or what's my next step you know like they get down and then as days go on they seem to get down and down and then they say oh how can I cope so they might turn to alcohol and then drugs and and then they're in the vicious cycle you know like yeah it's hard because when you find yourself homeless well I've been in the situation like I was in the car had my wife and stepson and we pretty much got evicted because of an argument with the real estate and then we find well it's like a where do I go? Mm. What do I do? There's no real place where, okay, I can go here and I'll get the help from, I can get a bed, I can get a shower, I can get a feed. There's, there's nothing really like that in Perth. Mm. They can't just rock up to the door and, and go, hey, I'm homeless, can you help me? There's, mm. there's nowhere easy to, you know, especially go straight when you find yourself homeless. And It must be horrible, especially you mentioned before, if someone's just gotten divorced mm. and then they find themselves without a home, do you feel like there needs to be more mental health support yep, for the homeless? Definitely. We see a lot of mental health and um, I guess with the budget cuts at state level and, you know, with um, mental health is a big, big problem with the homeless. We see it a lot. You'll, if you, When you're on our level and you can see, like, big case of mental health is they're just sitting there rocking and they're pretty, pretty bad in a bad way and there's nobody actually going out there and observing this. They've got to, like, these people have got to make their way to a mental health institute or maybe if the police... Oh, that was another thing we sort of thought. If the police are trained in mental health, they can identify this and put them in the right direction, you know, instead of locking them up or whatever, they just say, hey, this guy's got a mental health case. Let's go to the next step and get him in mental health. And then... But there's, it comes down to funding again. That's the biggest, biggest thing, not enough funding for mental health. But there's a lot of mental health on the streets. Okay. Yeah. With that, another misconception was um, are all homeless drug and alcohol addicts? No. So you said often through being homeless they turn to that. Mm. Mm. Is it also a case of the drug addiction has led them to homeless or you don't often see that? Not a lot, no. No, not a lot. A lot of it, like, even at the moment with the COVID, we've got New Zealand people that have suddenly lost their jobs. They don't get any access to any of our support and they find themselves on the street. So there is a mo- minor cases of... Because I've spoken to probably in the three years I've been doing a, f- a few people who, oh, how'd you end up homeless, blah, blah. And there's probably only been about maybe half a dozen that said, yeah, well, it was my fault. I was I turned to the drugs and the alcohol and my wife kicked me out or my husband kicked me out or whatever. But it's most of the time it's like job loss or, or um, you know, a, a divorce or something mentally that really changes your whole direction and your perception of where I want to be and end up you find yourself homeless like mm. yeah and there's a lot of um speaking on the first nations people there's a lot come from country and end up on the streets you know because when we were at Wellington there was a lot of sp- still speaking language so these are guys from um Derby and around that area and all the country mob coming down here to medical support and then there's no way back uh. and we actually we've actually witnessed a guy straight out of hospital still in his like, hospital gown in a wheelchair living on the streets and this is this is our first nations like country people so well my my partner's brother he's in indigenous 
policies in local government. And he also made the point that a lot of our Indigenous population, they don't have uh, a birth certificate or an ID card, a driver's license. So things uh, we take for granted of being able to show this to get a job or Mm. to get Centrelink, they don't have access to. So it's, it's a further problem... It's a big problem. It's, yeah, huge. it's huge. It's overarching and yeah. it, it's... <sighs> it's even like with the COVID, we, in the Pan Pacific, we're putting people into the, the motels. I'm doing the motel thing. This is state government level, not not local government, state government level. And then we'll talk and say, so what you heard about? Oh, yeah, I've got no ID. Oh, okay. So I've got no chance of getting into a motel or no chance until I get my ID. But she, when you see these people sleeping on the streets and, like I said, never had a shower for a couple of days, they got no chance of getting an ID and they can't. And it was like an application form to get into these motels. And there's, I think they need to simplify the homeless, how like the steps to get, you know, to get into the, the rulers and the, all that sort of stuff. They should be able to just rock up and just go, hey, I'm homeless. Can you please help me? Mm-hmm. And then the government needs to have more people in place to help these people, you know, like, because I've had an example. I moved a lady out of um, another refuge type place and... She got out and they were sort of, oh, I'm glad to see the back of her and all oh, this and that. Like, they obviously stretch to their limits. They don't have, you know, underpaid and overworked is what I'll sort of put it. And it's sad because they're, they're just all human, like, they're just people. And, mm. you know, so, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, it's a tough one. I don't think they'll end it in the next, they had like a 10-year strategy to end homelessness and it's good to think that it happened, but I think with COVID and, job losses and the price of living at the moment is pretty crazy yeah and um, i think we're going to see more homeless so perth homeless support support group yeah what do you guys do how are you helping in on the streets of perth well look i spoke mentioned earlier the perth homeless uh the city perth started that homeless hub in moore street we started we actually started when i first started with um perth homeless we're in the library and we just hand out care packs yep. and so that might is food yeah or i've got like Non-perishable food, which is like okay. up and goes, tuna, baked beans, um, muesli bars, tubs of fruit and stuff like that. Something that can sustain it, but they can keep it for a couple of days, you know, like or weeks or whatever. And we also do like charity meals team, part of our charity. And we do sandwiches, baked goods, boiled eggs and, and fresh fruit and stuff like that on the on the Sundays. Every Sunday morning, we, we do this between 8 and 11. And we... Now we've evolved from there, from the library to Moore Street, where we set up like a little market with gazebos and tea and coffee and and all sorts. Of like a, when if you come down and have a look, when we yeah. when we get back up and running in Moore Street, it's just like a and it gives them back, gives us I'll call them streeties because that's who I know them as, and it gives them back um choice. You know, like oh, would you like a tin of tuna with tomato or and when they go to these um, like rulers and that, they haven't really got a choice. They've got like they're a number and they've everybody's treated the same sort of thing or case by case but you know they we, what we do we give them back choice you know and have conversations and it's just like a little like you get into the local shops and you can pick and choose what you like sort of thing so that's that's how we that's what we do yeah how yeah. many people are you seeing on a sunday morning well when we're at moore street we're up around the 200 every sunday morning yeah wow yeah and where are you receiving your supplies from um well and on perishable stuff we purchase that like that's our main crux of the charity. That's what we sort of do is our non-perishable stuff that we hand out every Sunday and we purchase that. It's about 4500 a month and community donations, grants that we can apply for. 
and a lot of it's a community for donations from the community monetary f- donations non-perishable foods and time like that volunteers we have about 200 active volunteers well not very active at the moment they're sort of they're ringing and chomping at the bit to get back to it but oh, yeah nice. <laughs> yep. yeah so we're actually broadening out from just our our um sunday if, yep. if you want me to keep going with that go. um, i was gonna say how and for people listening how can they help where can they go yeah well we've got a website perth homeless support group dot inc it's on our we're just done in the process of upgrading that but our i'll put that on our episode yeah but our depot's in at bayswater the unit 2 28 munch street in bayswater um open between 10 and 2 monday to friday and yeah just we have a busy bee that's just starting to start up again on wednesdays where we at the moment because we're doing like a roving service through the city out of our vans we just load the bags up pre-packed and ready to go just to be hand out on the streets we're still doing about between 140 160 on the streets just by roving around and driving around wow. and we're going to find them and now that we've been out there a while they, they come and find us but um when we start back we have been in talks with city of bayswater so we might be starting up there because um shop front's moving out to bentley so there may be a, a gap of people that can't get to Bentley that are on the streets and we're going to start in talks with them to set up pretty much what we do in Moore Street here, um, like a little shopping market every maybe Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday morning or something just to help them, those guys out that miss out that can't go to Bentley. Okay. And um, When you say shopping market, it's not that they're buying stuff. No, no, it's, it's all free, free but yeah. we set it up like a shop, like tables okay. and all that and, yeah, so it's not a – doesn't cost them anything. Costs, yeah. yeah, so. Is there a community feel? So on these Sunday mornings – all the, the streeties, I'm just yeah, using your term. Yeah. Are they all banding together or most uh, quite secluded and they want to be separate? Um, during our service, they seem to all get together and, you know, I've been doing it three years. I've had, I've had probably three minor incidents in three years, which is pretty good. Is like You've you got to remember that their, their lounge room, their kitchen and everything is, is the streets. So if they have a domestic, it's in the streets for everybody to see. So everybody goes, oh, look at these, like they're having a domestic, but... Where else are they going to go and have a domestic? It's true. You know, so when you look at, like, people see homelessness, and but then you've got to really look at homelessness, you know. Like, okay, if I have an argument with your partner or whatever, it's here. But if they have an argument, it's pretty much a full-blown argument because you've got the stress of the streets. Hadn't ha- haven't eaten for a week, and then it's full-blown on the streets, and it looks really, really bad. But you've got to remember that's their backyard, that's their kitchen, that's their lounge room, you know. So when you look at it, through that perspective you go okay but yeah generally down there it's like a like a community type feel and like some days like obviously the days that the they get their big pay or whatever there might be a bit of drugs in the line but we generally if they get the water and the everything calms down it's a really relaxed atmosphere because we that's what we sort of encourage Mm -hmm. we engage we talk and how'd you sleep last night where you at you did you get a room that sort of thing and that's a very community feeling type thing so yeah so you've been doing it for three years now Yeah, nearly three years yep what's kept you doing it what led you to it and what's kept you involved in that area um well my wife as a teenager she was a ward of the state she was um homeless and she'd be a good one to have an interview with she's she's an amazing person and we've always had a compassion for homeless came to perth about 10 years ago or so and um just looking for a charity about three years ago and we met met up with Ron and Michael who, who started Perth Homeless Support Group and as soon as we met these guys we knew yep this is a charity so and yeah, from then it was started and we pretty much haven't missed a, a day and I've, it's been like my wife's the volunteer coordinator she 
coordinates all our volunteers and plus she's a, the depot manager at Bayswater and um yeah just it's um like the other night when we started handing out our jackets for our winter appeal it was like oh these are so warm like just a simple thing like a jacket can change a person's whole night you know like just and um the look on their face when you have a chat like the birthday on the weekend with one of our streeties and and that sort of thing like if we can like if every human on the planet just said to somebody who was down and out hey what would you like can i help you i think the world would be a better place well, that's how Perth Homeless Support Group started. Well, Ron and Michael were out, and it was a hot day. It was like 40-something degrees, and they sat down with a with a, a streetie and said, is there anything I can get you? And they, he said, oh, I just need a bottle of water. And we've actually got a photo at our depot, so you have to come into the depot and have a look. Mm. And it's Ron and Michael on the wall there handing this streetie a um, bottle of water. And then Ron went home and said, I've got to do a Facebook page. Started up Perth Homeless Support Group. The next day had had 1,000 followers. And now, six years later, we've got nearly 14,000 followers. So It's the largest one on Facebook, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, just a simple gesture of giving a streetie a um, bottle of water or a cup of coffee. I often sit down and have a cup of coffee or with a streetie. And you, if you hear their story and where they've come from, it's, it's pretty amazing, actually. What's mm. the one thing that they value most? So you mentioned giving them a warm jacket, but... If they could get one thing from someone like us on the, you know, you mentioned before giving them something, mm. what's one thing that they would most value? I think it's being acknowledged that they actually, they, they're there. Mm-hmm. Now they, they, they've accepted, they, they can cope with being homeless or to a certain degree, but to stop, have the time like a, someone like you or myself, have, have the time to sit down, have a coffee, have a chat and that could make their day. You know, like instead of being grumpy all day, they said, oh, this this person actually acknowledged me for the day, that type of thing. Obviously, housing and all that sort of stuff comes with that. But just to be acknowledged as a, as a human, because a lot of them, you see a lot of people don't even believe they're, you know, they shouldn't, they're vermin, they're, they're a pest on society. But at the end of the day, they're only humans. And if you can change that person's day by just having a chat, a coffee, whatever, it just, yeah, it's a, it's a little thing. So, yeah. What's the worst thing for someone on the streets? I think with um, the vulnerability, especially the ladies and middle-aged women, because we've had some, yeah, some pretty horrendous stories come through our, our line and that we've chatted to ladies and, and, um, and probably not knowing what's, what's going to happen tomorrow. Could I get, could something happen to me tonight sort of thing and just the unknown, I guess, yeah. yeah. You mentioned your wife was on the streets. Yeah. How did she then transition? How did she sort of change that? She was a teenager and um, pretty much a ward of the state because her mother didn't want her and she ended up pregnant. So, yeah. While on the streets? No, no, she didn't. She was, she was off the streets then. She was living in a caravan and sort of a long story short, ended up pregnant and I kept the child and um, sort of that changed her, the way she looked at life sort of thing and she, yeah, it's a... Yeah, her becoming pregnant sort of changed, but she's never, how can I say, it's hard to talk about your wife, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> she knows the story and I've, I've been with her. I'll have to get her on. I did you want will. to, yeah, you will have to get her on. she's keen, that she, would be great. She should, I, I don't know about her story. She'll tell you a little bits and pieces. I don't really know all of it. I know a lot okay. of it, but yeah. But she's, um, yeah, she's a good, she's good to talk to and she's amazing, to be honest. Yeah, if, when, she, when you meet her, I'll send her in here. You've got I'll, a twinkle in your eye, Aaron, now I talking have, about yeah, it. Yeah, it's just like that. So, um, oh, okay. But nice. yeah, she, I think that was the direction and, and she was still a wild child before I met her. 
and I sort of what can I say? Tame the beast. So <laughs> tame, tame the. She's laughing at this right now. Like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I did actually. So she, um, yeah, it's um, she's pretty much made her own life and on her own, pretty much. You know what I mean? Like, it's, there was no real. I guess having a son did change the way she outlooked. She actually had to give her son up because she was still living in a bad situation. So she gave her son up to her, her partner's parents, and they raised him for a little while. But then, from there, like then she. She's just transitioned as a, well, if you come to the depot and you get to meet her and try and, she'll, she'll have a chat. Sounds and um, good. Everybody, even, yeah, you just got to, to be honest, she's an, she's an amazing human from where she's come from and where she is now and who she is as a person. Like, and she should be hating the world with what she's been through and all that, but she's, she's got a heart of gold and, yeah, okay. that's what a, we've always, that's sort of, I've always had a passion for the homeless, but here when I've met her and her and her story and what she's been she was actually like a when she was on the street she was like the the queen of the because everybody used to look after her and she's always had people look after and look up to her even from a young kid to to now everybody loves her so but yeah she's um she's an inspiration yeah and she's yeah she needs to write a book i kept telling her to write a book (laughs) i wanted to ask as well i didn't know this but there are a few types of homelessness can you run us through those? Yeah, look, I actually didn't know about them until I... Because I'm sort of... I'm a hands-on type of homeless helper, if you want to call it. I didn't really know the categories. I know that the, the, the there's chronic... Or what are they? Chronic, um, transitional, episodical. I guess the episodic's when they're on the streets and they're off the streets, on the streets for a little while and off the streets. And I think if there's that, that um, gap where... You know, if they get off the streets and then there's a support from the, there's got to be another support there to keep them in housing, because a lot of people, a lot of we've seen it. There's we've seen a one of our regular homies, streeties, whatever. She was off the streets, and next couple of weeks she's back on the streets. She said, Why are you on the streets? Oh, I don't know how to live in a house. I got I can't I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to cook. I I got no idea. So there's to get off the streets is not just a matter. Of, oh, okay, they got a house. Okay, now what? There needs to be a, a step there, which is what I'm trying to get with Perth Homeless. We can go out to these people and and check on them and talk to them, have a cup of tea and say, anything we can help you with, anything you need doing, and then we can report back to the government bodies and sort of hold them accountable to say, hey, you guys need to be supporting them a little bit more and this is what we're seeing, so how about we make a make a position in government or council or whatever for for that you know what i mean so is it they need sort of education as well mm, as not mm. just housing yeah yeah because if you've been on the streets you've got no idea how to budget how to you know you, most of them don't even know how to go down to the shops and do a shop and then come back and put it in the fridge you know they're, they're not they're, yeah, well, they've I lost when that. you think about like going from the streets that's what happened with the when they put them into the motel they weren't allowed to leave so they oh, hang on i want to go back out in the streets because i that's you know so there's there's a lot there's, it's a lot of mental health as well you know, so, um, yeah, that's the one we're on and off the streets type of thing. But a chronic is like, we see it, like we see the guys digging into the bins and, and they're going, I don't want anything. They're, they want to be, that's they're happy there, you know, so. So is that, so they enjoy being on the streets, I think, homeless? I don't know, like, I'll give you an example. There's a guy, when I was, I'm from Newcastle originally, my wife's from Newcastle. Oh, I knew he. My Newcastle. brother spent a lot of time there. Oh, really? Well, it, we're actually being told when my wife and I are twin flames. I don't know whether you believe in that, but we've crossed paths like a few times. I was working with a stepdad who was 
actually abusing her at the time and all this. So these sort of things, and we've always crossed paths. And um, anyway, there's a guy over there, we used to call him Cobweb. No, my wife knows him really well because she was on the streets and he's, he's been on the streets for, I don't know, since I was a kid going to the beach, you know. That's how old he is. And um, he actually, he's a very well-renowned doctor in Newcastle and his wife and children were killed in a car accident. So he locked the door of his house and walked away and that was it, you know. So when people say, oh, he's a, he's a whatever, you, when you look into their stories and why they're there is, yeah, so yeah. it's um, mental, your mind's a, a funny thing i think and have one big mental disaster or something in your life that don't know what you do so yeah. is it in just in trying to understand why someone would want to be on the streets rather than in their home is it the you know you remain anonymous you don't have to you don't you're not traceable i think so thing? yeah yeah you um yeah you disconnect from society that sort of thing you know you don't want to be associated with society because they've maybe done wrong by you or you know, like, yeah, I've, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a hard one. Mm. Yeah. Is there a story that sticks out through your years? Is there, yeah, someone you've come across or one moment that really sticks in your memory? Oh, that'd be, um, yeah, the elderly lady we got off the streets. Yeah. How old was she? Was sixty, seventy-eight or seventy-eight? Yeah, so. yeah. So that's when we advocated and ended up state administration tribunal, that sort of thing, and ended up. Um, She's in a nursing home now, so... But then again, it was hard because I traced her case manager and and to get an attitude back from a case manager, oh, she's a hard card case. Well, I think... I don't know. I, I, if I was in community services and I was... I'd probably be... I, I think I'd be working 24-7 because I'd be always trying to think, what can I do tomorrow to help this person? But they seem to... I think if you're in that position, you need to be... It's not a job. It's a. It's something you want to do. Like That's the, probably the problem maybe i don't know but yeah and he and she just said oh she's a hard case but well my wife and i weren't accepting that so anyway long story short we got her into a nursing home and yeah there's how oh, long has she been on the streets for oh about eight years yeah on and off so do you know what led her th- how did she came there i don't know I, we didn't really get into that but yeah she um just to see an elderly lady that old and health problems yeah. on the streets we didn't really want to see that so we we advocated and yeah, the rest is history, I suppose, and yeah, so. Is it hard because you're doing so much hard work, but you can only help so many people? Um, and it's sort of an, an endless cycle. How uh, do you... I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it hard, eh? When you get into it and, yeah, you don't really see an end, no light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, but um, if we can do our little bit just to keep these, help these guys out, like we've seen some homeless disappear on the in our line and we go we find out where they're at they're in you know one girl she's getting reconnected with her children and she's doing gone on the straight and narrow and she's she's all good and and we don't see that so that's sort of a bit of reward to us so yeah i don't know it's not it's not really it's not hard eh? like because that's why i'm sort of up and out in do i want to go back to what i do or do i want to pursue something different you know but yeah i don't find it i don't know you, you need to because we're the coalface whether the raw we see it you need to get down there and if you've got a heart for that sort of thing and and see it firsthand because i'm with the bearded villains and well these big bearded guys come in and, and the other week they came like when we were at moore street we had a, a grandmother and a, a children come through like grandchildren and these guys broke down big and because it's just it's hard hitting to see these people like kids on the street especially mm. is 
is pretty hard. They're, they're living on a veranda, you know, like, and that's, I don't know, I don't think in Australia we should be seeing or hearing that a child is living in poverty, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know, it's a tough one. It's, I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I just keep doing what we do, so, yeah. I think you guys are doing fantastic work and I'm actually looking forward to coming down and yeah. getting involved myself. What's, oh, last question for you, Aaron. What's one thing you wish people knew about homelessness? Um, that's a tough question. Oh, I'll save the best till last. That's a tough question. <laughs> um, uh, I think everybody acknowledges homelessness. Um, so if you, if you can acknowledge and you respect homelessness, if you know what I mean, it's a tough question, that one. Um, no, that makes sense. What you're you know saying. what I mean? Like what you, you and what you said before about just having a better understanding, and I hope people get a lot from this chat. And mm. I feel like they will. Yeah, acknowledging them, and they are—they're yeah. just human beings. We're just like humans. Us. Yeah, yeah, and don't you know? Obviously, they're on the on the street now. Don't look down on them. Look, you maybe sit down and look through their eyes. You know what I mean? Like, don't ever think this could never happen to me. That's a big one. Like a lot mm. of people think, oh, this will never happen to me. But hey, who knows? You never know what, what your mind's going to do if something happens, you know. Like I said, if you come home and your whole family's wiped out, what what what's your reaction? What are you going to do? So don't ever think it's not going to happen to me. I, I never think that, you know. So um, if everybody had that, that thought in their mind and that could be me one day, well, maybe we'd all get together and help these start with the homeless, you know, and then where does it go from there, you know, so... Yeah. I think that's a great take-home message. Mm. Aaron, thank you so much for your time today. And I'm going to put the link for Perth Homeless Support Group for people to find out more. You can also search for them on Facebook. Thanks for teaching us today, Aaron. Thank you. See you guys. See ya. It'll only cost you 20 minutes. Thanks for listening. And I hope you learned a lot and gained a better understanding about homelessness, how you can help. If you do want to get involved, as I said, the website is listed below. You can check the Perth Homeless Support Group out on Facebook. Also, if you liked this episode, show some love, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Every review you make helps people find the Teach Me In 20 podcast and it means they can find this app and get a better understanding as well. We'll see you next week. Teach Me In 20. Teach Me In 20.